This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is Cues of the Force, Quasars of the Force. I don't know what that means. It's questions of the Force, and the questions always come with some A's. I'm Joseph Scripture. I'm Ken Knapsack here, delivering the A's, rolling around in the Qs, having some fun. <laughs> <laughs> so filthy sounding. 
what, what, what did he say he does? He's an A delivery man. What does that mean? Anyway, we always have fun with the Q's and the A's, questions and answers, and we are excited to get into it. Our first Audible, though, is uh, our first Audible. Our first A is Audible. Today's podcast is brought to you by, hey, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Uh, this episode, we're continuing to recommend The Princess and the Scoundrel by Beth Revis. Why? Because we like it. If you haven't checked it out and want to give it a listen, uh, please do, because then you can tell us what the audiobook is like since we read this one on paper and everything. You can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash force center. One more time, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook. So that is the audible A down. We go now to our next A, which is the current ask, Ken. That's right. Our current ask is to have, maybe have you considered checking out Patreon. Patreon.com slash Force Center is where you can support us directly. And uh, we have a goal up there of uh, 2200 a month. We'll do another Star Wars ranked live stream exclusive to patrons on Patreon. And then we'll release it to the public. We had a lot of fun doing our favorite sequel trilogy scenes with you all. And we want to do that again. So that's the goal over there. You can check it out by going to patreon.com slash force center. Don't forget Jedi beat the YouTube edition will premiere soon. Uh, Monday, July 17th. Yes. The way calendars work. That is very soon folks. <laughs> uh, and it's going to run for a total of five weeks. Jennifer's working really hard uh, on the episodes and it's not, you know, I, it, when, when we originally pitched this, even to Jen, it was like, hey, take your audio, maybe throw slap some pictures on there, and voila, we got a video. Uh, we should have known better. <laughs> Jen has uh, uh, gone back, grabbed the scripts, re-recorded a ton of stuff. Uh, she's basically making Jennifer Landis special editions of Jedi Beat, and it's going to be all new <laughs> and fun to experience um, for many of you for the first time, for some all over again. And that's all possible because of you on Patreon. That's right. And we will keep the original non-special edition versions of uh, Jedi <laughs> Beat, the original podcast versions available. So if you want to compare and contrast, you can with the fancy, shiny new videos. It sounds like she is going to knock it out of the park. Not surprisingly, but yes, uh, she once she really decides to do something, she does it all the way. So she is working hard on those. Yeah, love that. Love that. All right. Well, that's two A's down. The only A's left is answers, is our answers. Uh, but in order to have answers, you have to have questions. That's sort of a philosophical question. Anyway, here are some questions. We have two from our patrons on Patreon. We have one from Twitter and we have a wonderful power of the force segment to take us home. But first, we're going to questions from patrons on Patreon. And this comes to us from Ethan Truman. Ethan says, lately, I've been thinking a lot about how recent Star Wars storytelling has affected and enhanced my love for earlier stories and moments from the movies. A big example of this is how the Kenobi show enhances Kenobi's death scene in A New Hope. Now having all of this new background between him and Leia really makes that scene more emotional for me. When Ben looks over to the twins and then smirks back at Vader, he's not just looking at Luke, who he has watched over, or, or even just the two kids whose births he witnessed. He's looking at two people he knows personally. Leia, in particular, has been on an adventure with Obi-Wan, and he has had intimate moments with her and helped shape her into who she has become. From Leia's perspective, she isn't just seeing an old man fighting Darth Vader. She sees her friend standing saber-drawn and heroic again. It makes me appreciate not only the old scene more, but makes me love the Kenobi show more as well. 
What moments from stories past have been enhanced for you by more recent storytelling? This is a great question, Ethan, and a challenging one. <laughs> yeah. Because there's so many moments, many of them from the Kenobi show. Were you challenged by this one, Ken? Yeah, it almost was a little bit of a Star Wars rank vibe where you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got it. Oh, wait, I don't got it. I don't remember any scene in Star Wars. Oh, crap. Do I have to watch all of Star Wars to answer this question again? Let me go through. And then you kind of close uh, you close the laptop, you close your eyes, and you just let it all kind of uh, appear in your soul. Exactly. I This is one of those questions where, like, I have an inch in my brain where I feel like, I feel like there's something we mention every other episode uh, that I'm going to forget. <laughs> and then the second we're done recording, I'll remember like, why didn't I bring up that one that we talk about all the time? Yeah. So, uh, hey, there's another A for you, anxieties of the force. <laughs> but as Ken says, we're going to tap into uh, the force as it exists here in our real world by just taking a deep breath and sharing the first things that come to mind. So uh, I want to start with you, Ken. Why don't you share a few? I'll share a few. We'll go back and forth. Uh, yeah. What are some moments that are jumping out to you that have enhanced older storytelling? Yeah, and the other challenges, Ethan was just so beautiful in his words describing uh, that that Leia-Obi-Wan re relationship, the moments in, in, in both uh, uh, projects there. And, and, and I, I love that. So I try to capture that there. But hey, not for nothing. Um, Vader chasing the Tanavi 4 uh, in A New Hope, tacked on now with, uh, you know, a uh, little, po it's almost like a post-credit scene to Rogue One. Uh, mm -hmm. That that has absolutely added a lot to the moments, to even just the energy of it. I had said this on a podcast a long time ago uh, here in Force Center, um, almost a confession. It's not necessarily even true right now, but there was a point where I skipped over A New Hope a lot. Whereas, mm -hmm. like, seen it, got it. It's slow to start, you know, one, the big action, but the kind of slows through the desert. And then I, you know, I, I've lived with this movie, movie my whole life. There's other parts of Star Wars I want to watch, right? It, you know, meaning I love it, acknowledge it. Yeah, again, Sergeant Pepper, one of my favorite albums. I don't remember the last time I've listened to a track one to the final track, you know, mm. 12, whatever. You know, it's just, it's on the shelf. It's in the Hall of Fame. That was new hope for me. And Rogue One comes out and great. But then when I had Rogue One in my hands, the physical copy, uh, and I remember putting the, the Blu-ray in one time, watched it. And I just was like, oh my gosh, for the first time in years, years, I really want to sit down and watch New Hope, which I did. And you can go to YouTube and find some great smash up edits of, you know, Rogue One into the beginning of New Hope and all that stuff. It's great. But but that's why I don't want to overlook that moment. Vader in the hallway, what it means, uh, the excitement of seeing that for the first time, of seeing Captain Antilles, seeing Leia, uh, despite any thoughts uh, on what you might have of, of how it looked or even if they should have done that. Um, that moment got me and, and it just made me want to pick up the story. So uh, it, it worked. It really worked. Rogue One being a prequel to New Hope, New Hope being a sequel to Rogue One, whatever jokes you want to make. It really worked. And, and, I, and I have a, a deeper appreciation for that moment. No, I, I really love carrying through Vader's fury and frustration um, mm -hmm. it, because th that is the nature of the entire uh, Skywalker saga in particular is uh, going back to when, when we were young in the original trilogy was kind of all you have and Empire a little bit you see behind the mask, literally. Mm -hmm. he, you get the sense that he is becoming more human uh, in Return of the Jedi, but but in a new hope he's the scary outside force yeah. and now we we know anakin so much better we know vader so much better that we can kind of ride through the movie from his perspective and right. watching the very beginning of a new hope with him furious that he has all this power in this stupid little 
mm. you know, Corvette is getting away from him. Uh, mm. It's, it's great to just take that sort of uh, that, that fury uh, mm. into the beginning of a new hope. I love that. I, well, you, you kind of almost describe it as he's like, I can't fail for my boss again. It's a bad day at the office. <laughs> Well, and that's one of the things for Kenobi. I think it's there throughout with Vader, but I love how much Kenobi understands that that is, was Anakin's psychology and Vader's psychology of he has this view of himself as the best, whatever he thought of the Mm -hmm. chosen one prophecy he invested in. I'm better than everyone. And every little fumble is an attack on his Mm -hmm. self-perception of his identity. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. to carry that that beat through of like this uh, de- this can't happen. <laughs> yeah, it's like when I drop a, a a pen on the ground or something, and I I'm like, oh, this reminds me I'm old because I can no longer bend down and pick it up with ease. <laughs> That's the Vader thing of like I am not the indestructible monster. Uh, I, I am I am failing here, and and uh, the deal I took it ain't looking good. Yeah, I love that, I love that view. And it all comes out on Mahdi's throat uh, mm-hmm. later mm-hmm. in the film. That's a great one. That's an absolutely great one. Um, yeah. And I agree about A New Hope in in general. I, I'm pedantic, so I don't uh, about my viewing. So I, I, unless it's an anniversary or a special occasion, I generally like to watch all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, you know, back in the day when I had my VHS and would watch the original trilogy a lot. But A New Hope starts a little bit slow from modern perspective. But it, in it's the one that gets that keeps getting enriched in different ways by other storytelling Um, Mm -hmm. beat after beat for a long time. Then my favorite part of watching a new hope was the Kenobi's hut scene because it it took on all these different nuances uh, with the prequels. Now Mm -hmm. I, I, I really uh, agree with Ethan that moment of Kenobi smiling, which was always powerful, but now he's taking in both of them. He's come Mm -hmm. to this sense of peace. He knows where Vader's at. He knows, what's at stake. He's prepared for this. So rich, um, a much smaller moment in a new hope that has, uh, taken on more power because of Kenobi. Uh, I've always enjoyed the shot where, where Luke, uh, restless, uh, you know, teen on the, on the cusp of becoming an adult is wants to go out in the world and start his serious adult life, <laughs> but he's making his toy, uh, model T 16 Skyhopper go zoom, 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 uh, you know, <laughs> The absent-minded playing with the toy, you know, yeah. and this is this is something you could pull out of it in in 1977 if you want. You know, you, you see the the real one in the background. Mm-hmm. That that's him dreaming about getting out there, and he doesn't want to play anymore. He wants it to be real. Um, but now that we know that Kenobi gave that to him as as a gift to make him see the world larger and make him want to be an active participant in in the world to encourage a sense of adventure and discovery and to see that that's still there that through line is really powerful to me that's a, i love that that's a zoom 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 depth right there <laughs> some zoom 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 depth uh what's some others uh for you i this is one of the ones where i was like i think i just have to sit down and watch clone war season seven and i just did not have the time to do that so i put <laughs> Clone Wars Season 7, uh, it added a lot of emotional layers to the events around the end of Revenge of the Sith. And and it, it's kind of some of the, dare I say, cute stuff they did where they're like, well, Mace leaves here, you know, Anakin leaves here and Ahsoka walks in and that conversation in the movie, this happened right before and after. It's kind of, you know, fun and and like I say, cute in the way that they, they, they had a little fun playing around with it, I think. But it also 
I thought was important. I thought it tied um, the Clone Wars and that movie we had lived with for a long time. It tied it together in a wonderful way. And it and anything that can make me like Ethan's talking about some real depth and emotional stuff here, but anything that can make me go, all right, I want to watch Revenge of the Sith again and see it again for the first time, which is a mm. Star Wars special edition trailer line you and I always reference. But, you know, to go, oh, okay, how does that even work for me? Does 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 it work? And then to go watch the movie and go, yeah, yeah, the fact that Ahsoka was right here and was just missed Anakin or they said their goodbye here. Even some of the stuff with, um, you know, as Floney even, I think, kind of apologized for, not a ton of, of Padme in season seven, but even what her parents just added a little bit more depth to me, uh, emotional depth um, that I didn't, it's not something I could say that I was walking around needing. I think Revenge of Sith does, does what it needs to do on its own. But once you got it, it just was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful as a Star Wars fan that we get to uh, fill in some of the blanks. I don't need every blank filled in. And I think you've, you've expressed that as well. I, I don't need every comic to fig, fill out every shadow, but for a big event movie like that, a big, uh, you know, part of the saga to have a new perspective on it, to see around the corner and see how uh, if events are affecting characters we love, like Ahsoka, Rex, uh, it worked for me. And that's one of those moments I go to. Yeah, no, I, I think it, it makes stuff with Maul, Richard, knowing that that he knew what he had been excluded from <laughs> yeah. uh, in terms of the big Sith plan. Uh, it's played as a kind of a fun joke, but I think it's an important beat of, of uh, canon to me when uh, Obi-Wan makes that joke of when Anakin's kind of making an excuse to go make a, a holocaul, call. And he's like, well, uh, did you at least say hello to Padme for me? Mm-hmm. Um, continuing to play with that idea of like, Kenobi knows there's something going on and he, there, he doesn't know how to handle it. And he doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, know the depth of it. But he knows there's something going on there. Is mm-hmm. that, that's a that's a little grace moment that makes me appreciate the scene where yeah. he 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 knows to go to Padme uh, to find mm-hmm. Anakin and knows that the child is is Anakin's. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. That's great. How many? So how many do you have total? Did we do a full ranked episode? Uh, we kind of actually. I, I have I have four other ones, but one. I, let me just throw this next one in quick because it's kind of similar to what we just talked about. Each okay. Order 66 retelling expands the scope of the trauma for me. <laughs> and this is why I, 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 I don't mind revisiting Order 66 from 3,000 angles. I really don't. I've talked before. This is a big traumatic historical event. We have a lot in our own lives that we revisit. That a new doc shows up to say, hey, here's the this group of people and how they were affected. And here's what it did. I, I'm I'm there for that. I, I love that stuff, even if it hurts, and even if you're you're getting a new view. So Order sixty six is uh, you know it's a dark it's a dark time. It's a dark moment, and to explore it, how Cal Kestis dealt with it, how Caleb Doom dealt with it. I I, I hesitate to say I love it because it's dark and traumatic, but it's important. It's important to Star Wars, and it's important to see it's a world galaxy saga changing event. And I, I like going back and, you know, the super cuts on YouTube as well of here, you know, the ever expanding super cuts of here's the different versions uh, or different events of order 66. I watch those because, um, uh, they, they do affect me. I don't love, uh, I've said before, I don't love a lot of fan edit. I don't watch a lot of that stuff, but, uh, when, when it's done to prop up, uh, the emotional core of star Wars and to shine a light on it, it works for me. And, uh, I can even shed a tear on some of them. So. I just wanted to throw that in there. I think that's great. And and I think it's, you, to me, I don't mind seeing it 
as long as, as it is telling us something more about the character whose eyes we're seeing it through. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think that like when we perhaps our most recent, I've lost track, uh, but seeing it through Grogu's eyes and seeing mm-hmm. how it affected him and how it might affect his relationship uh, with Din Djarin going forward or, you know, mm-hmm. his, his um, how hard it is for him to face the trauma with that beautiful um, puppet acting <laughs> when, mm-hmm. when the hammer's mm-hmm. ringing out and it seems to be uh, forcing him back into those memories, how much he doesn't, he's, he's with uh, some viewers like, I, I don't want to revisit that, but I have to. If you can yeah. keep seeing it through, through the character's eyes, it, Reva was essential. Um, yeah. I, I, I really agree with you. It, it is like, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's not just talking about world war two again or talking mm-hmm. about, you know, nine eleven again. It it mm-hmm. affected lots of people, lots of different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. And as far as like the Grogu one, like I, I totally understand if, if people are like, eh, I don't want to go back to it. I've I've had enough of it, especially if it, it's traumatic in any way. But if if you're on just like the surface level, like eh, boring, more already sixty six stuff. Don't you want to? That Grogu stuff was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It, 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 in that kind of uh, you know deep storytelling kind of way, exactly what you're saying and how it affected them. So don't you want more of that? I'd love to explore more of that. Yeah, totally agree with you. Um, okay, so I have I have four others. This is a full <laughs> ranked episode. <laughs> you, did, you did us good. I could edit myself, but I'll, instead I'll talk fast. Um, I I really like the Luke Skywalker's general arc. In my opinion, is that he is young, impetuous. Um, he makes mistakes in in the original trilogy, and then he really, really takes what. Yoda is trying to impart to him to heart and what Obi-Wan, but that being a Jedi is a solemn vow. You must have the most serious mind Mm. in my interpretation of, of his, his failure with Ben Solo is that he's, he's wrapped so tight trying to do everything right. Mm. uh, That it, it causes him to make an instant of a mistake and then Yoda has to reappear to him and say, it is, hey, when I told you to have the most serious mind, you knocked it out of the park. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now you need to take a deep breath and forgive yourself. Mistakes are okay, too. We can learn from from mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that story arc of, of Luke, I find going back and watching the original trilogy and scenes in Empire Strikes Back where he gets the most serious mind, the, the depth of of Mark Hamill's wonderful delivery in Return of the Jedi when when Yoda says it was unfortunate that you weren't you know were ready for the burden that you rushed off to face mm-hmm. Vader and Luke mm-hmm. says I'm sorry it's so deep and it's like it's like that moment it's the old Simpsons joke of like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the moment that his heart broke it's like <laughs> that's the moment where he committed to like I, mm-hmm. I gotta I gotta be really careful I gotta I really can't make mistakes like that again I can't I can't mm-hmm. uh, so the connection between those stories uh, is really powerful to me. That's a that's a great one, and 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 yeah, the, the that Yoda Last Jedi scene and sequence just works on so many levels, and and uh, so thankful we have it. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is one that I think a lot of people have talked about. I think we've talked about, but Ben Solo's name. I mean, The Force Awakens is not as as old as getting refreshed on something from uh you know mm-hmm. nineteen seventy seven Star Wars. But, you know, there's a lot of like, why is he Ben? Is that just because of the name we recognize? And Leia never met him. You know, all all that stuff. Is it Ben Quadraneros? (laughs) Right. You know, but now 
that moment of Han yelling out Ben, we have the benefit of the Kenobi show of knowing that mm. Leia did have a relationship with Ben. And he is the person who brought her her and Han and Luke together ultimately, but also her kind of first steps into a larger world were, were with Ben. Um, so there's the Ben part of it, but you and I have talked about this a lot. Also just solo of like, well, why mm. isn't he or, or solo or gone or whatever? Um, we haven't seen this, but, you know, my sort of headcanon is that here's a name that was just sort of foist on Han from a disinterested Imperial officer with a nasal drip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and and Han kind of takes it on as this like, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm solo. I'm alone in, in this galaxy. And, and he he builds he folds that into his own personal legend, his own personal view of himself. But the idea of this name that was sort of flimsy and meaningless, that all of the legitimate good actions that that Han Solo took in that name, by the time he has a son, he's made that name mean something to the point where Mm. he and Leia want to give it to his son. Because this name means something now. This this is the name of a hero who helped save Mm. the galaxy. Mm -hmm. So I love that from, you know, these different sources, the name Ben Solo has been given all this power to me. I love that pulling from those things and just, uh, yeah, it, it, I, I think it's fair to say Force Awakens coming up on uh, 10 years before we know it. <laughs> it it's, yep. It, it's classic storytelling. <laughs> yep. Yep. So uh, what are your others? Uh, I went to uh, one recent one we were discussing and when we were breaking down the Princess and the Scoundrel novel by Beth Revis, you and I both had kind of a similar reaction to uh, the beginning of it and the first couple pages with Leia. And looking at the the empty helmets and who was in them and the weight of this big victory, it was this wonderful deep turning of the page to literally the smoke has not even cleared on both the, the, the empire and the fireworks of the celebration the night before. And mm. it was... Um, it's not, you know, it, it, it's an expansion of the idea. But I, now going, you know, when I revisit Return of the Jedi, which is one of those great casual, put it on, it's a Saturday and I want some Star Wars on. Um, my whole life, that's where it ends. The story ends. And then I would dream about what was next. Now we get these mm-hmm. kind of answers. And now it's, I can, I, I can imagine. And because I've read it, it's still in my brain more than, you know, on, on the page or on the screen, like a comic book or something. So I just... I really, that's why I love that book. One of the major reasons I love that book, I should say. And uh, we both celebrated it here. Uh, and if you haven't taken it in, I almost don't want to go into details, but just right to the beginning, it's just, it's, it's, it's uh, the Leia and, 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 and the burden that's been on her soul for so long, slowly releasing, but asking herself, is it? And yes, I know. And in, in canon, we got 18 more months to the battle of, uh, of, uh, you know, uh, Jakku and all those things. But like, it, it's it's a big victory moment, but it has comes with a lot of a uh, lot of weight, a lot of scars, a lot of damage, and it was, it's well done, well written. Yeah, that I, I love that book, and almost every scene adds something, adds some nuance. Uh, looking backward to Return of the Jedi, looking forward to mm-hmm, <laughs> the mm-hmm. sequel trilogy, it, it's so good. Uh, her raging over the Vader connection, um, yeah, yeah. And, and treating that as a fresh open wound is incredibly powerful and mm-hmm. uh you know uh connects to the novel bloodline very well all sorts of stuff there's another one uh for me is uh in leia princess of alderaan uh by claudia gray i love that 
the that moment of accidental force use is included where uh, mm. she and, and her uh, fella at the time mm. make an impossible jump and, and Leia's not, you know, queuing mm. into I did something, but we the way it's written, we the audience can tell um, yeah. that that you know i think about that when i watch the return of the jedi scene of like you have a power that i could never have you know yeah mm. yeah that it's always been there and she's just is she isn't open to it yet uh but it's always been there is is great i love that there uh another one from mine that i've mentioned before but i realize this goes back to 2017 so again we're a ways out from it but i wanted to highlight uh, i've talked before of uh really loving the eclipse short story in the first from certain point of view collection uh, released in 2017, this is written by Madeline Rue, uh, who I've the pleasure to be friends with over the years. And uh, she wrote the final moments of Bale, Bale and Brea Organa on Alderaan as the uh, Death Star eclipses out the sun and uh, destroys the planet. And it's such a brief little second in A New Hope. And it carries weight. We see Leia react, but Leia's got to, you know, get up and, and run and, and put a blanket on Luke and all those kind of uh, things that we know and talk about. But to... Excuse me. To just uh, ha- know that those those final moments are, are burned in my soul. It's it's heartbreaking. And then now to spend more time with them in um, Kenobi, it adds even more heartbreak and more pain. Uh, and what I love about it too, that in, in uh, I remember at the time uh, talking with Madeline when she was given the opportunity to write this, she said, "Well, I w- I'd like to write a you know a, a female character." And they were like, "Well." Um, Baru and Leia already spoken for, and that's kind of all there is, right? And it highlighted mm-hmm. the 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 that problem. Um, but so she went, Well, what about Brea? We don't we don't spend a lot of time, and they were in the film, <laughs> essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and to expand that, it, it, it's a beautiful thing. So if y'all haven't had, got, had a chance to go back and revisit that eclipse in the 2017 uh, from a certain point of view, do it and you'll uh you might cry every time Alderon explodes. Yeah, uh, that that's a powerful one. And uh, hey, those those uh, burning skeletons are a little bit more powerful in A New Hope. <laughs> and now we spent a little bit more time with uh, uh, Owen and Brew. Uh, you successfully caused me to remember the one that I was was tickling the back of my brain, going, "Remember that one," because it's also from the certain point of view. It's the the story where Yoda is is watching over everything, and he's really excited to train Anakin's offspring because just perfect Jedi, a serious mind, commitment, big heart, flowing and organic, everything you need to be a Jedi. Leia, not Luke, and you know particularly when Luke shows up and he's just like, this guy's nothing but a bucket of problems, <laughs> <laughs> and obviously he he grows to to see Luke's strengths and all, and all that, but like especially in Empire when the no there is another like that's become in my in my heart essential canon that yeah Yoda's like please please Leia's perfect, <laughs> yeah. I love that I love that love that stuff uh, great yeah uh, well. I, yeah, go ahead. I have one more, but you go for it. Wrap, okay. wrap it up. I'm going to edit myself. You, you okay. go ahead. All right. Uh, thank you, Ethan, for making this uh, special Star Wars ranked episode emerge. Uh, newer one, Andor's presentation of Mon Mothma has added mm. so much depth going back to Return of the Jedi, even the fleeting moments we get uh, with her and, you know, other uh, content, Revenge of the Sith. We know the deleted scenes, but of course, Rebels, which Rebels added depth right so her speech in star wars rebels is a giant moment in star wars and maybe mm-hmm. but now we have even more and now i know that maybe when she's given that speech on the ghost 
that she's also like, and I left my husband parent. Like, you know, there's like so much, <laughs> so much else to, to uh, deal with now. And, and, and thankfully we have more of that character. So uh, I, I'm always thankful for that. Left or I, there, there's a possibility in my mind that it was the rebellion or parent in, uh, in <laughs> uh, Satine's lament had something to say about parent. That's my wild and or uh, prediction. There you go. Yeah. The blaster Satine's lament in case anybody's like, I haven't heard of that song. Mm-hmm. Um, great, great question, Ethan. We could go on forever and we will the rest of uh, four center. Uh, and it, this is fun because it's the reflections of this question that Ethan asked is going to show up in some other questions. Uh, mm-hmm. We got a big one next, though, from patron James Pasqualucci. Uh, James has been asking this question for a while, but frankly, it, it required research. So it took us a little while to get to it. So thank you for your patience, James. Mm-hmm. Here's what he has to say. Hello there, Four Center. Bit of a different question today that revolves around one of Grand Admiral Thrawn's favorite subjects, art. Specifically, the art of Star Wars celebration. Each celebration from at least uh, 2019 through 2023 has had art shows bringing in various pieces from professional artists to display their love of this galaxy in their own talented and unique way. Many of the choices are just breathtaking, and I was curious to know what your favorite pieces were and why. What themes, moments, or emotions do they evoke in you? Can't wait to hear your choices. I put the links to the specific StarWars.com articles below for your convenience. May the Force be with you. I needed the help of the force to, to go through all these and choose mm-hmm. uh, just a few. If you're listening, if you're at home and you want to go through and, and join us, we are going to be referencing some art. Uh, you can just uh, Google uh, official Star Wars Celebration art and these should pop up. Thank you, James, uh, for providing the links. So any big picture thoughts on this, Ken, before we dive into the specific years? Yeah, yeah no, it was fun to kind of research. I, I missed a lot of these pieces. A lot of them is like based on maybe how I felt now. Um, but, uh, uh, and it's it's such a, this is a kind of what you'd hang on your wall type of question, uh, mm-hmm. which might, might be different from what I might just appreciate seeing on display somewhere else. So um, that's what I took into this. Yeah, I, I had the great challenge of don't pick just the Obi-Wan posters. In mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. a, a couple of them, I realized like, ooh, that's that's my favorite one for this year. And that's my favorite one for that year. That's the same artist. OK, let's uh, let's vary it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I, I some of these people were really excited about on social media. So I saw them getting passed around. It, it's uh, sadly for me and not a part of celebration that I have been able to indulge in. So I haven't uh, got a chance to to go see them all for myself. So this was fun to scroll through them. That said, let's go to 2019 to Chicago, a place where you and I had a great time. Lots of fun memories. What poster did you pick uh, from this list? Yeah, I, Oh, wait, hold on. I think, let me hold on folks. Uh, you, why don't you go? I have to, <laughs> I, I jumped to 2020 because I, didn't copy and paste the right note in. All right. Oh, you're I up. got it. You're up. <laughs> okay. Okay. And I tried to pick a couple, two from most years in case we pick the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and if not, yeah, yeah. Uh, so be it. But uh, this one just really jumped out at me. It is uh, by an artist named Jason, Jason Christman, and it is entitled Cantina. It is a, a long, super widescreen, thin image. And it is a depiction of the cantina. And hey, we've all seen lots of depictions of the cantina. 
But this one is arranged uh, mm. almost like a, a, a triptych, a piece of artwork broken into three three pieces. It's flattened out on one end. You've, you've got Han and Greedo. On the other end, you've got uh, some of the uh, the infamous uh, denizens, including Momon and Dunn, uh, Lax Sivrak, <laughs> mm-hmm. the werewolf uh, who has been admitted. Uh, you got uh, Luke in, in 3PO and R2 entering. But right dead center... Uh, you have Chewie and Obi-Wan and it's all dark, it's all shadowy, it's all profiles and the only beam of light is Obi-Wan's blade. Mm-hmm. So this spoke to me because it is, it, it's an absolutely classic scene, reimagined, but I've just been so obsessed with the, the choice of Obi-Wan to ignite his blade in this moment. Um, you know, back in 77, it was like, well, we need to introduce the lightsabers and, and see them in action. We need to establish that they actually do sever things so that when obi-wan disappears you're not just like well i guess that's what happens when you get hit by a lightsaber Mm. um so all sorts of practical reasons but with all the storytelling built up around it i just find it so powerful that obi-wan's like you know vader's on the trail of his kids this rebellion's happening i gotta go back out in the world it's time for the jedi to return and i don't care i'm i'm pulling out the lightsaber in in front Mm. of everybody i don't care um that that moment has taken on more meaning for me and it just glowing in the middle. This is definitely the one I'd, I'd put on my wall. Yeah. I, this, this was on my list as well. So well said on, on, on the reasons why, but it's, it's kind of what, this is kind of one of the pieces I, 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 when I'm like thinking of what goes on my wall versus what, what hangs in a museum, uh, mm-hmm. this, this is the version. It's, it's just something it's not straight from the movie, but it's about the movie and it takes all the things we love about this scene. It puts them in a fun uh, tableau there, including, is that O'Hare actually blocking the droids? Oh, he no, he's got it. That's a pointing finger. Yeah. The droids. Yeah. Yes, yeah. There he is. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And sorry to, you know, for those who aren't following along, it's, it's a great photo. And yeah, it, it would fit. Because of its size, I I might try to look up if I can get a hand my hands on this one. It would go great over a door. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. This, this is gorgeous, gorgeous, mm-hmm. dangerous. All right. What do you pick from twenty nineteen? Uh, yeah. So that was one of my choices, and and there's a lot of great ones. But I went straight. Uh, you could almost predict this one. To uh, Brian DeGuire's celebrating twenty years of pod racing. Uh, mm, yeah. Classic race poster. Um, you know, uh, almost as if Anakin can hang this one on his wall. It's got Ben <laughs> Guadagnaros. It's got Sabalba. Uh, it's uh, the Buddha Eve classic presented by the mighty Jabba the Hutt featuring Gascano, Dudbolt, Team Toe, Paglius. It's, yeah. uh, it's a racing photo. And uh, and this captures the spirit. It's 20 years after. This was the year we were celebrating Phantom Menace. Uh, it's uh, in Galaxy. You can, like I said, imagine hanging this on the wall. Uh, but also, uh, this is something I would absolutely love to have celebrating just the spirit and the energy uh, of what the pod race was. It just it, it kind of explodes out of the out of the frame there. Um, so that was uh, that was my first choice. I, I love it. And I love things like this that, uh, you know, on first glance, like, yeah, it, especially if you put it in Orbesh, it fits in. Mm-hmm. But then it's got those sort of meta textual things of I love it when it uses actual dialogue from the film is mm-hmm. a, like. I love that it says very fast, very dangerous. Like yeah. <laughs> in this context, it's like an, an ad for it, you know, very different than the context that, uh, that Qui-Gon said it in. Let, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Love that. Yeah. So yeah. again, uh, this might just be a shopping spree for me. Yeah. Dangerous, a dangerous question. So before we buy all these posters, I'm not even going to share my runner up. We're going to move on 
to the mm-hmm. 2020 art show in the great spirit uh, that this continued uh, during a, a dark time for the rebellion, as it were, in uh, in 2020. So I only picked one. We'll see if we picked the same one, Ken. Why don't you go ahead and start? <laughs> All right. So I picked two. Uh, I went to first Meltdown on Hoth by Chris Trevis. Uh, mm. It's a very kind of realistic. Um, uh, I mean, it looks like a you know, like you could have seen it on screen. The 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 Princess Leia is so good, but it's Hoth Leia. Very upset looking at three PO, who's holding her uh, old uh, New Hope princess dress, which has been soaked because they turned the heat too high uh, in her uh, in her chambers, which is the great little. Uh, <laughs> Scene that happens off camera as we meet up with R2 and 3PO again at the beginning of Empire Strikes Back. And uh, the uh, uh, artist explained his obsession with those type of scenes and this scene in particular, especially saying uh, there was an illustrated children's book published in 1998 that tells this story. I'm going to have to seek that out because this has always been one of my favorite little uh, references as just, you know, what happened in that uh, chamber that uh, that got them all a flutter, and, and it's a great photo, and it just symbolizes a little bit of what this movie is about for Leia. Like uh, she is a princess, she is royalty, but she is Hoth gear Leia from this point on until uh, you know she gets to Cloud City. But uh, love love that. So that one uh, that one that one's on my list. Yeah, that's a great pick. Uh, I love yeah the the sort of the fan relationship with it that it that it's the the dress from the past and she's moving into the future and yeah we've talked many times about this is the movie where leia gets to be uh in charge of the rebellion uh you know uh as well you know not not um carrying secret missions but you know wearing fatigues like everybody else Mm -hmm. and getting stuff done i also like that it's a very without being a direct pastiche it's uh very norman rockwell vibes um, Very much so. Yeah, yeah. The posing, the composition, and the sense of humor of it. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know this is breaking three people's heart, and he's apologizing up and down, and Leia's just like, "I don't need this. I don't need this today." <laughs> don't need this. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, we'll see if the one that I picked is uh, your your other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went with the Legend of Lando. Uh, mm-hmm. This oh, is. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just. I'm such a sucker for anything that looks like. Um, pulp magazine um old paperback Mm -hmm. that kind of vibe i just i just love it uh it's got these kind of torn edges vibe it's got a little bit of uh the the sort of uh the uh, the dot i forget the actual name what what Mm -hmm. comic books used to be colored with um Mm -hmm. uh, but it's got a little bit of that dot pattern um to the way it's illustrated uh it's a picture if, if you don't have it in front of you uh Han's in the it, it's Lando and Han seeing each other on Bespin again for the first time, and in the foreground on the left is uh, a silhouette of Han's hip and his hand reaching toward his blaster, and then Lando looking cool, grabbing his cape, Lobot right behind him, the beautiful uh, oranges uh, and browns and burnt siennas of of uh, Bespin in the background. But then it says in this uh, cool font, "The Legend of Lando, Gambler, Swindler, Administrator." <laughs> <laughs> It's just just taking this this scene that's loaded with all this tension, loaded with all this additional meaning as we get more and more uh, story told and and turning it into this sort of intriguing paperback. You'd see, you know, if you didn't know any of these characters, be like, where are they? Who's that bald guy with the computer on his head? Is that is a guy in the foreground going to shoot Lando? What's going on? It's just it's so exciting. Yeah, no, this is a cover of a Lando adventure for sure. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, love that yeah. game. Swindler, bookkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Gambler, swindler, manager of FedEx. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty cool. Well, Did you want to share your other one? Yeah, it wasn't the, that was a great one. Uh, I, I chose uh, Don Murphy's uh, piece, The Queen's Wardrobe, which Ooh. is uh, pretty simple and direct. It is uh, all of uh, Queen Amidala's Outfits and Padme's outfits from The Phantom Menace. And there is 11 of them. Wow. So many, which, which is, I just, just love that aspect uh, of the movie. It's got some of the ones that Sabe wore, uh, you know, uh, just talking to uh, my partner, my fiance, Grace, like she, she loves Phantom Menace and she was, uh, you know, younger when it came out, but, but she's like the, the, the outfits, the, the costume design for Padme, just like, are just gorgeous and next level and, mm-hmm. and, and has always been, and it's been part of the, was part of the appeal for her. Um, uh, and then, and just in terms of uh, shaping her love of fashion uh, and, and her, her the, how much attention she paid to it. And so I think that's a, I don't, I don't think it's an underrated part of, of Amidala, the character, but it, it's something that, that never should uh, not be celebrated. And this piece of art absolutely celebrates it. And I'd like these, cause there's a lot of, again, talking about what we want on our walls, um, I have a piece I picked up from um, Downtown Disney a couple of years ago. We've talked about on the show that has mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, 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 a lot of the female characters from from the, uh, all of the movies, um, Padme uh, to Phasma type of range uh, to Jyn Erso. And I, I just love those those kind of pieces, uh, direct and, and straightforward in what it's saying to me. Yeah, no, I agree. And this is just a service because you can Google, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Padme's dresses. And I know so many fans who, who have them memorized and cosplayers who've made yeah. them all and you know, have, have the, the, the names for them, which I don't know all the names that cosplayers use that have solidified mm-hmm. into this is this dress, but this is just a service to just be able to see them all in a row. Uh, I love mm-hmm. it. Uh, and I got to learn the names of some of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. So there, love that one. All right. Let's power on then to the year 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, another uh, celebration that we were uh, lucky to experience. Uh, what do you go to here, Ken? Well, I, Don Murphy did another one called The Senator's Wardrobe. And uh, <laughs> all of the uh, Padme outfits, outfits from um, uh, Attack of the Clone. So uh, I would absolutely want this on the on the wall uh, here. Just give me the whole series. Give give, give me all the Padme outfits. Uh, I, I love the character of Padme. I think she uh, has a lot of depth to her, a lot of different sides to her personality, a lot of different sides to things she's trying to do and, and, and includes uh, maybe some of the obstacles uh, around her and within her. So these outfits have all of it. Uh, uh, it's a Padme explored and, and I really uh, love that. So yeah, uh, that's my first choice, but uh, going to my second choice, you uh, picked a Jason Crispin um, uh, piece earlier with the, the uh, new hope uh, cantina. He also did one and uh, this one that was the death star. And I, I don't know how it could fit on a wall. Uh, I have to get the right size. This almost could be a back of a door. You, you could get oh. it that big. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it, it starts from the top, the Death Star uh, briefing room. Then it goes to the observation room looking at Alderaan. Then it goes to the uh, tractor beam and the Ooh. actual. Yeah. You see this one? They, then the uh, the laser. And then then where 3P and R2 are hiding. Then where Obi-Wan and Vader are fighting. Then the hallway with Han and Chewie. Then the, the swinging across the chasm there with uh, Luke and Leia, trash compactor, uh, the uh, where they took uh, 3P, or excuse me, Chewie, the mm-hmm. uh, detention center. Uh, and it's wonderful. 
And I just love it. And I want this. Uh, maybe I get a floor carpet version where I just put it down a long hallway. <laughs> uh, a large, painful back tattoo of this mm-hmm. one would be oh, phenomenal. Yeah, it really, it really just captures the the fantasy and the fun of the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Now, how how all these little scenes showed us little chunks of it that they could afford to create on set, uh, but the imagination of it is is huge, huge. Mm. Um, also, I love the senator's wardrobe because it's really fun to compare to the queen's wardrobe and see the different uh, style and a little bit of a different color emphasis. So many more. Um, the muted tones in the mm-hmm. senators, you know, I, I think a little, a little foreshadowing of uh, some of the, the hard mm-hmm. times to come, uh, including her just hanging out on Tatooine dress, which yeah. I absolutely love the, the mm-hmm. blue one that looks very woven. Anyway, uh, mm-hmm. great picks uh, for myself. I, I picked uh, two here. If I'm on the correct year, managing it all. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. The first one is the first one. Um, it is mm. called Reflective Power, and this is an image uh, of a young woman here in the real world, clearly in, like, a parent's uh, closet area mm-hmm. uh, with a mirror uh, that you could replace with that uh, Death Star uh, picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with clothes strewn about, uh, just uh, some random stuff, a scarf and some random uh, little horns or suction cups or something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in her hand. But in the mirror, we're seeing Ahsoka with the double blades. Mm. It's, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, the um, the infamous Star Wars kid video, uh, mm-hmm. which cruelly made fun of because we are all Star Wars kid. It's one of the mm-hmm. powers uh, of Star Wars to see ourselves in this fantasy, uh, to see the fun of it, uh, but to also see the inspiration of it. And this is just such a a great, fresh, mm-hmm vision of that for this young woman to see herself as Ahsoka and and the fun of that in the fantasy of that, but also everything that Ahsoka stands for in the idea of this kid getting to have that experience of, I could be brave like her. I could be strong like her. I could be committed to helping people like her. It's really powerful and and well done. No, I agree. It's a, it's a great one indeed. And kind of why, uh, why this stuff exists, I think. Yep, exactly. And then, uh, because I can't stop myself, I'll throw in another Obi-Wan when I'm, mm. I'm scrolling down. I, it's uh, called the Junland Wastes, mm-hmm. and I am almost there. Oh, there it is. Uh, this one is by uh, Malcolm Tween. I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't the same artist. Mm. Uh, but this is a very um, uh, 70s fantasy kind of vibe. Uh, and it is just old Ben with lightsaber ignited in a probe droid. It's just that simple, mm-hmm. but it's this, you know, imagination of uh, he had to be active. He had to be protecting himself. So I, I don't have anything more to say about that than uh, mm-hmm. clearly Kenobi obsessed. Nah, it's a great, great piece. It almost, uh, it's done in a style that might uh, uh, hang on the back of your sofa. Like your, your grandparents had a mm-hmm. piece of art. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It almost looks like it's so different, but it also looks just like, is that a cover of a Conan book? Like, it's it's very fantasy. I love it. All right. We are going to move on to the year 2023, the wonderful celebration in London. What did you pick here? I picked one photo here, Twilight on Endor by Sandra Kamenz. It's a traditional watercolor painting, she says, with a few digital touches. And it is just Bright Tree Village. 
uh, with the uh, flames going there, you know, it's the twilight, the, the sun has gone down. So they need to, uh, you know, set set the fires ablaze mm. and uh, dance if they want to. And uh, there's a little Ewok in the foreground kind of looking at it all. I have over the years become obsessed with Bright Tree Village even more than I was when I was seven. Uh, I just think I appreciate the Ewoks more, appreciate their culture because of things like the, the book Princess and the Scoundrel. And we're still learning more about them. Uh, and uh, this is just a great simple photo that I would love to, to hang and, and pay tribute to the furry little teddy bears that helped take down an empire. It's really beautiful. It is just, it, it's capturing the, the magic of Bright Tree Village. And I really like the colors. It really, uh, mm-hmm. not super impressionistic, but it really evokes some of the um, the colors uh, in some of those paintings. It's absolutely beautiful. So that one was on my list, uh, but then I was pretty sure you were going to pick it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I, my jaw dropped open at one of them, Ken. Like I, I mm-hmm. love a lot of these, but the one that just blew me away is uh, Hope. Uh, by Ashraf Omar. Um, mm. It's it's a little bit more vertical. Not doesn't need to be a full bathroom mirror, but <laughs> it's a it. I think it really struck me because it's a lot of images that I would normally like, but combined in this different way. If you can't see it. It is uh, celebrating Return of the Jedi. It is a a mechanical hand uh, that one would assume to be Luke's, not covered by the synth skin, but a mechanical hand floating. Uh, his his new lightsaber hilt. And it is kind of coming apart in ways that we've seen when when Jedi use the Force to bring all the pieces of their lightsaber together. But where the kyber crystal would be, there's this beautiful uh, rebel symbol. And then the word hope is interlaced with the lightsaber. So if somebody described to me like, yay, you know, it's a it's a lightsaber, but the rebellion symbols worked in there and it's got the word hope. I'd be like, that sounds great. I like all four of those things. I've, mm-hmm. I've seen them a lot. This combined all of these things in a new in powerful way to me. I love this one. This is this is one of the uh, ooh, that's a risk for for me to purchase and put on a wall. Oh yeah, yeah, right. I think a lot of these are no. That's a, it's a beautiful one there, and uh, it's just uh, simple in its message, and uh, that's what I love about that one. Yeah, and I love that it's just a surprising choice to have it not be a gloved hand, uh, but to mm-hmm. have it be this fully mechanical hand. It, it to me, it's like, yep, yeah, life isn't perfect. <laughs> Sometimes you got a mechanical hand, but so there's true. still hope. So true, so relatable. Uh, all right, we are going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with one more question and a power of the light side. Back in a moment. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And we are back. We've got a question from Twitter. This comes to us from Kevin Booth. Kevin says, greetings, pre-episode nine, had you asked me what I needed to see in the film, my unequivocal answer would have been Ray firing up a new lightsaber and laying waste to half the First Order in the most gratuitous action scene since Uma Thurman got a new sword. Mm. Mm. <laughs> However, having watched the movie, says Kevin, I am eternally grateful I had nothing to do with making it. The film showed me how kind Ray was and how that helped her stand up to the dark side, not join it. Question time. Have you had a similar experience with any Star Wars content wanting something, but in hindsight being spectacularly thankful it didn't happen? Mm. It, this is a great question. It, it speaks to me. It speaks to my uh, love of Rise of Skywalker. Um, I know that it's a, a film that still divides a lot of people, but uh, I remember just being blown away by by getting to see Ray be truly powerful and see like, mm. like you know, stopping the transport in midair and seeing that that that's a large amount of power to reckon with. That's a large responsibility, but being just deeply moved by the Vexus scene of like, but that's her instinct mm. is to, to try to help first to, to think through some, uh, another sentient beings trauma and being like, is there, is there a reason that they're in trauma? Can I maybe help them? Uh, so I just, I really agree with, with Kevin's analysis of the film. So I wanted to throw that out there. Ken, do you have any big picture thoughts before we get into our examples where we were happy we were wrong? Yeah, it, this is, it seems like it's a question that's more about recent times. Uh, you know, this is where Speculate Responsibly was born out of. Uh, 
you know, we're in this era of everyone's going to sit down on a, on a panel show or a podcast and wonder what's next. And that's not going to stop. And I think that's overall still a good thing. Um, but uh, in thinking about it, no, I definitely had some thoughts uh, back in the day of what was coming next. So that's kind of where I went to. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's go to it. What were your thoughts back in the day? Well, I, I've mentioned before, I was so wrong's not even the word. I just so misunderstood what the fall of Vader would be. Um, in 2005. I mean, this is even after seeing Tactical Clones. So going into Revenge of the Sith, I was one of the ones who just wanted to see the power fantasy that played out in that hallway in Rogue One, um, which is Vader kind of going full Vader, doesn't get him what he wants, which of course is the lesson and the theme there. But going into Revenge of the Sith, I spent a whole lifetime going, well, Vader helped the Emperor hunt down the Jedi. So we're going to see him just slicing Jedi. And isn't that going to be cool? He's just going to be murdering Jedi. And instead, we got what we got. He fell into this trap. It was about attachment. It was sad. It was heartbreaking. It was pathetic. I always go back to my complaints in 2005. It's just so pathetic. He just drops to his knees. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. You know, I couldn't even mm-hmm. see what was on the screen. It, it It's not like it was like... The themes were hidden behind uh, Palpatine's bookshelf there. That's what was going on. And then for Order 66, you do have this great shot. It is a great shot uh, of him marching into the temple with the uh, what we now know is the 501st, like Vader's fist. Like, it's great. Um, and then he goes to Swords Band Demon and, 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 he, and he kills the younglings. And I just, I was upset about that, you know? And and you still, still to this day, I run into people where you see the jokes about, about that. And I, I'm one that thinks... Um, that's a, that's Vader just trying to destroy his past, the past as brutal as that might be, mm-hmm. as disgusting as that might be. And yes, as pathetic as that might be, it wasn't a show of power. Vader's fall was what he thought was getting power, but it wasn't right. And it seems so simple. Now we spent a lot of time discussing it. Other people discuss it. And I love other people, um, discovering it for themselves or exploring it for themselves whenever they get to it as a fan. But for me in 2005, I was so wrong and I was so angry about it. Um, I'm glad I was so wrong. I was glad I was so off because what's there is what is needed and what is the truth of that story. Yeah, well, th- this is great because between you and Kevin and myself, we're going to every trilogy <laughs> in the Skywalker saga. So the first one that comes to my mind is something I've definitely mentioned before. I've included it in, in stand-up bits and monologues about Star Wars that I've done in performances of, you know, being of the age to wonder in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, what would happen? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it wasn't old enough to understand, like, well, the movie's probably not going to end on a bummer. <laughs> I was just mm-hmm. invested in the story of it. And uh, I love Luke Skywalker. I saw myself in Luke Skywalker and uh, he he failed in Empire Strikes Back. But I would, I would you know, debate with my brother, like, but he's going to turn things around. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, the question was only, can Luke become powerful enough to defeat Vader? Mm-hmm. And I think it was because there was the image in the dream uh, on Dagobah, in the cave, the vision that I probably only only half remembered. Mm, um, right, right. But I was just convinced as a as a young kid, Luke's going to be real powerful and he's going to cut Vader's head off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, it, it, in some ways it, it's it's perfect because it was the lesson that Lucas was trying to get to is mm-hmm. sometimes a story is good and evil and, and sometimes sometimes somebody has has made a, a choice and they just need to be stopped but that's mm. not 
always the story. Mm-hmm. And the idea that it's not a binary, it is that Luke could do what is what is right for himself, what is right uh, for his father, um, making a different and, and unexpected choice and refusing to follow in his father's footsteps. The, you know, I was young, so I'm not going to beat myself up too much. But uh, much like uh, Kevin about the sequels and much like you about the prequels, I <laughs> I had little kid bloodlust. I'm like, Luke's going to get him. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. think that's powerful that for all three of us, it's, uh, you know, some of our, our first things is leaning a little bit too much into the cool action and, and, and not, mm-hmm. And wanting that, not wanting the truth of the character, and then being grateful that we got the truth of the character. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 uh, you know, the story telling the story it needs to tell. Love that there. Do you yeah. have any others that you want to share? I was going to touch on. I think you have to, and it, it's we've done entire episodes of it. Uh, you know, uh, and, and we'll, it'll always come up. But yeah, Luke going in the Last Jedi. I mean, mm. that's that's perhaps the biggest one. It was so big that some people have not recovered. Um, uh, and, and, and I get it. I, I get it. And, and as, as positive, quote unquote, positive as, as I or you or Jennifer can be about Star Wars and we go on and at the time in 2017 into 2018, defending this movie to people that wanted to tear it down, all those kind of things. We've all been there. We know the pop culture history. I understand it because I walked out of my first view and going, I wasn't sure because that was not what I wanted or expected. I always say I weigh what happened to Luke in Last Jedi versus all right, then what's my answer? If if I had, a, I wasn't surprised that he died, uh, or or moved on to the next plane, if you will. I wasn't fully surprised at that. But then, like, cool, whatever. Whenever Luke's ending comes about in these films, how did I how did I see it? And it and it it, it was like I was regressed to two thousand five. You know, high atop a flaming X-Wing with the green lightsaber ignited, slicing heads off as he goes, taking in your childhood dream. <laughs> um, just put it all in it. And it's like, but that that wasn't it. That wasn't 1983's Luke at the end. Uh, it wasn't what this series wrestles with. And uh, I think now you and I and so many others are in tune to these themes in Star Wars, that, which, by the way, I still think are very simple. George was not like, I got something special for you. George was like, I just got something for you. And I don't want you to hear it. And that carries out into Star Wars storytelling in our modern age. And that was, that's, it's a litmus test moment for, for a lot. And, and I don't mean to be an a-hole about that or anything. It's like, you know, if you can wrestle around with that Luke's ending and come out on the other side of it, at least having an understanding, I don't, even if you don't have the appreciation, but having an understanding of why it was done that way, I think you might be in a better spot. Uh, going forward, Star Wars storytelling—it's just something I really feel strongly about. But uh, I, I, I needed, I needed a moment, and this also is the thing of like what Kevin's talking about here. This is about something you and I have discussed before as well, Joseph. Take that moment. We are in the era of let me whip out my Instagram live and do my out of the theater reaction. Let me just do my trailer, and I get it because it's wonderful click getting content. Um, but that is. Uh, it's not how art's to be appreciated. You can have your excitement. Do your videos. Oh, my gosh, it just came out, and here's this. But then, you know, wrestle with it a little. Think about it a little bit. Think on it a bit. And, and that's what this is, uh, the heart of this question is for me. Yeah, no, I, I really agree with that. And and I, I always say about Last Jedi, I, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted outside of, mm-hmm. I wanted Luke to be a powerhouse because I felt like, you know, I never like it in stories where, um 
the 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 ability of a Jedi is is diminished too much, or mm-hmm. uh, Superman is depowered. Because always to me is like, well, part of part of the fantasy is, what if you did have bonkers levels of power? That that always sounds like such an inviting fantasy to us because life is really hard. Uh, but then when you do have bonkers level of power, that you feel that responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I wanted I wanted the follow through of Luke trained his whole life and became an absolute powerhouse. Now what does he do with it? And I think that's why I ended up walking out of Last Jedi so so satisfied. Is that that's kind of what Luke was wrestling with? Of like, I, I believe if if Luke wanted to get himself to create, he could have gone there and he probably could have just made a little gesture and every one of those mm-hmm. bad acts would have crumbled he probably could have done that he's mm-hmm. probably that big of a powerhouse but he was deciding how to use his power and i got to see him use this you know amazing powerhouse ability that's communicated in the in the film of this is a, a massive power level but look at how he's choosing to use it is yeah. and, and that's that's where the heart of it came from yeah absolutely the heart the heart of the it. heart the heart. I'll throw one more out there because I, I think I spoke on it uh, a decent amount on, on podcasts and certainly in, in person. Uh, when Palpatine was revealed to be returning in Rise of Skywalker in the trailer, even that weekend at Chicago Celebration, a lot of people were like, I'm excited he's back, but I want to know how. And I was really on about like, hey, you know how it's it's always we've seen in in other storytelling that that uh, the 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 Jedi pass into a different realm and exist only to, to help others. But, uh, but the Sith haunt things, they possess things because they're not mm-hmm. willing to let go. And I kind of, in conversations and in my own hen canon, invented this idea that, that Palpatine's malignant haunting spirit was going to be like the MacGuffin. Like maybe right. it starts with Ray and Kylo both sense this great power and it brings them to the Death Star ruins. And, you know, his, his spirit is in some object that he collected and he's kind of, it's almost the MacGuffin. And I, I really thought that the film was going to spend a chunk on how he came back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember being blown away. Uh, the, the crawl starts and like the dead speak, he's back. <laughs> and then I saw two human butts because the people who were sitting next to us were coming in late. You know, those will always be attached in my mind of the dead speak. Wait, probably back. There's two butts in my face, uh, leaning around to see uh, what the dead had to say. Um, but I, I know that's still a controversial, controversial choice. I know it still bumps for a lot of people that there, there isn't an, uh, enough of an explanation of how Palpatine came back and Poe's line is flat and all those things. I really get and acknowledge that, but I am happy that I was wrong about that because I don't, I don't think it is Palpatine's story. It's mm. it's Ray and and Kylo's in in, in this st- Palpatine is a is a embodiment of the dark side. The dark side is always going to come back, and it's always going to want to control everything. It's always going to want to convince you uh, mm. that you are just as rotten as it. Um, and so I think it really works for me that Palpatine's just back, and we, we got more details on the on the how and in expanded mm. fiction. But but for me, it's. It's in the film. It's it's the, the darkness, the the haunting spirit, the clinging of the dark side, mixed with just a great uh, Frankenstein like you know genre stuff of pulling from like dark the dark science and uh, it all it all works for me. And I'm glad we didn't spend a bunch of the movie r- running after you know uh, some bitten mm-hmm. Bob that his soul was trapped in that he gets accidentally released. I'm glad that it just starts 
with its foot on the gas and, and the dead speaking. And I really recognize that that one's controversial and, and people disagree about it. But uh, that's an example of sometime I was I was happy to be wrong. Yeah, I, um, I'm glad you're wrong, too, because uh, <laughs> but you pitched that we, we were talking about the podcast and yeah, the hauntings and everything. It, it, it's absolutely tantalizing. But what, one of the most important things that I think you just said is this isn't Palpatine's story. Uh, this is Ray and Kylo's story uh, among others. And, and I know even that bumps for folks with Poe and, and, and Finn. And I know there was a lot left on the table with those characters. I, I actually really agree with that. But uh, in terms of mm-hmm. Palpatine, love the way it goes. And I love the uh, boom, he's here. We're going because this is what it's about. Um, one other one I'll say too, just in a general uh, sense, um, and or the series, mm. I was... Uh, you know, I'll put it on my resume. I was one of the first to say, uh, no, this series is going to be great. We need this series. It's the formation of the rebellion. Oh, my God, there's so much meat in this bone. While other people in my life were like, oh, I don't even want why. We didn't ask for this. And so here we are. The series is relatively well received. It could even be, uh, you know, awards dangling around its neck as a series. Soon, who knows? But um, it did not go the way I thought. Tony Gilroy took what could have been a spy thriller formation of the rebellion in a, in a kind of a way we knew. And he, and he went, he and his team went in a different direction, but it kind of landed in the same spot. Mm. Um, and I, you know, you feel that very early on and it's a different kind of story, which is why a lot of people love it and why, why maybe actually some people do struggle with it. Uh, but if my version, which might've been, you hear, you know, kind of the version that was kicking around in the beginning, um, 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 you know, uh, I'm I'm happy with what we got now because uh, it, it it created some wonderful, powerful moments. I still would like a straight up spy thriller, straight up formation of the rebellion as you kind of know it, and pulling in for different pieces of canon and lore and all those kind of things. And we might get that in season two, but season one was very uniquely its own thing, and I, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it, I think it was probably pitched a little bit more focusing on the espionage. I still think there are mm-hmm. lots of espionage. There is lots of yeah. the tension of will wills somebody's idea identity be exposed? Will they say the exact wrong word to the wrong person at the wrong time, at, at, wrong eyeline at a party, and you're discovered? I think that that sense of paranoia and danger is still there, but it wasn't as much of like, and this week Andor's mission is to retrieve this. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I'm curious to see if it goes that way in season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might change a little bit, but yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Excellent, excellent question. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, it's nice to be able to work through things. It's nice to be able to be surprised. We are going to wrap up this episode with a Power of the Light Side segment. Uh, if you are a patron and you want to share just something joyful uh, of any kind, uh, a memory, a beat, a moment, a character, anything joyful from Star Wars, uh, you can do that by going to the section of Patreon that all the posts are on, scrolling down quite a ways, and hey, you will find the image that we discussed in our first question today of Kenobi smiling at the Skywalker twins. And that's where to put these uh, these submissions for Power of the Light Side. Our submission today comes from Paul Denuso. Paul says, the other night, my wonderful wife bought me tickets to my local city symphony doing a night of Star Wars. I sat entranced as the symphony played suites that were reportedly curated by the maestro himself. It ended with Leia's theme, the Imperial March, and the throne room and finale. It really took me back to my one and only celebration in 2017, the 40th anniversary panel, which ended with a surprise appearance from Oma Trace himself doing the conducting. I teared up then and I teared up tonight. It still amazes me after all these years what John Williams' music can do to me. It transports me to this happy childhood place and suddenly the skies are their brightest blue, the sun is its brightest yellow, 
and there just is nothing in the world that could possibly be wrong. My heart soars. Indy, Superman, Jurassic Park, and more are pretty close, but it's the Star Wars music that is moi, chef's kiss. <laughs> that is a great power of the light side, celebrating not just the music, but its power over the years and the power uh, of seeing it, uh, hearing it, experiencing it live with people we love. Ken, you've got to experience John Williams' uh, music a couple times in, mm-hmm. in person. Uh, w- what does this draw out of you? Uh, it's years, emotion. Uh, there's a reason uh, that guy, Johnny Williams, went on to have a good career. <laughs> he knows what he's doing, <laughs> and, and this is what good music can do. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and um, at the Dial of Destiny premiere, they did a surprise. John Williams, he did, he did three songs, uh, all in the Indiana Jones world, of course. And there, you, can, you can experience it any way you want. I want to be clear about that. A lot of people pulled out their phones and recorded it. Totally fine. Um, I just leaned forward. And took it in with a big smile on my face. Um, one, you get to experience it and see, and and um, but then the music takes over. Uh, I've seen him at the Hollywood Bowl a few times, and I think the first time I saw him, he was playing. It was a lot of Force Awakens stuff, and it was on the screen, uh, the package. And by the way, our friend of the show, our pal Adam Witt, works on some of that stuff, and um, I just started crying, crying because I'm like, God damn, I love Star Wars. <laughs> Um, uh, and and it pulls it out of you in in the most wonderful and surprising way and yeah um, that that Star Wars Celebration 2017 panel um, I was there I didn't know PLD back then I know him now a little bit there uh, we could have cried together PLD Uh, (laughs) something special something special but yeah um, love it love this chef's kiss indeed yeah I I think to me there's there's the this levels of power to hearing the Star Wars music live um, uh a great layer if, if John Williams himself is conducting because it, it is this weird, like how could this mm. one human, yes, working in concert with all the artists who recorded it and the, the films is the inspiration and all that. But just that side, like that guy, that one guy, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, he brought all this into my life uh, is, is powerful if, if you're lucky enough uh, to get to, to see him in person. But then there's the, there's the, our long, history even if you've been a fan for six months you still have a long history with the music in your relationship mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. films and, and that is all being summed up but then like the music's good and if there was never a movie called star wars i would probably cry at binary sunset mm-hmm. because it mm-hmm. sounds like the noises my soul wants to make when i'm looking out wistful concerned it won't all come together but then this deep knowledge somewhere deep inside me that yes it will all come together it is all okay that's that's like the most essential power mm. of it mm. is mm. that these these songs capture the true emotion of these characters. And even if we didn't have this wonderful layer of that's Leia's theme and here's everything Leia means to me, mm. her theme is powerful just as music stripped away of anything else. Yeah. 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 And, and over the years, you know, I um, you mentioned Leia's theme like that crept up on me as, as one of my favorites, which is weird to say, right? Because you just. You know, you, you just you're drawn to different things when you see the movies the first time. Um, like I probably liked the Ewoks parade more than Leia's theme at one point. Because <laughs> I, just, I was seven and that, that brought me to a special spot. Uh, this is why Yoda's theme, The Sound of Enlightenment, has just grown over the years. I think at post Last Jedi, uh, I just really appreciated the feeling of home that that music means to me. Mm. Uh, the feeling of comfort, the feeling of having um, 
someone around you uh, and knowing your way forward. And so, yeah, and that's one, that's been part of the journey as well. And, 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 and when you see, uh, you know, any, you know, whether it's Williams himself or just your, your, uh, as, as Paul says, your local city symphony, when you see it play, uh, when, when you see them play, something might pop out of you that's surprising that you, that you've heard for years, but suddenly it hits you differently. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Two quick memories from from the last time I got to see him. I'm hoping to see him again at the Hollywood Bowl this summer. But uh, mm-hmm. saw him last year, and you know, his fingers crossed he'd play the Kenobi theme, and he did. And that was just uh, that 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 theme is is so powerful to me because it is it is wistful, it is sad, but it is kind and and knowing, and and comes to a much more hopeful place. And I just kind of I like I had to remind myself to like look at the actual humans playing it that I you know. <laughs> spent a lot of money to see because my eyes just wanted to like literally drift up to the sky. It was yeah. so wistful and moving. So there's a, that in a way was like really strangely personal, but then another big power that this music, and it sounds like what Paul really got to experience too, is like, is the community of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Williams often does the, the encore was some of the star Wars hits, including the Imperial March, which I don't know what was different that time. If it was maybe a little bit more up tempo or if it just was the community but mm. everybody not only got their lightsabers, but like lots and lots of literal stomping and headbanging. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, yeah. it was just in, it was so fun. It was so communal. And it was just like, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. yeah it was, it was so great. So the community of these things is a part of what makes that music so powerful too. Suddenly Imperial March became like a headbanger's ball. Love that. <laughs> it really did. It was really, really fun, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Paul, for the wonderful power of the light side. And like I said, if you're a patron, go find that picture of Obi-Wan smiling at the twins and share something powerful of your own. Ken, that's it. We want to let people know where we can where where we can find ourselves. Where can we find ourselves, Ken? Where they can find us. I'm still searching for myself. We're on Twitter at Four Center Pod. We are on Instagram and YouTube as well. Subscribe over there so you don't miss live shows, uh, special videos, and more. Uh, Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. We are available on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Just search. You'll find us. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center and patreon.com slash Four Center. It's where you can support us directly and contribute to wonderful things like uh, Paul's words here. You can find me at Kednapsock. Go to my website, kednapsock.com. Come. I'll highlight one weird thing. I talk about it every once in a while. I have an ASMR channel. If you like that stuff, you like to relax. And I hadn't been able to touch it in a month. And suddenly it started growing because uh, that's how ASMR works. So if you <laughs> need uh, some sports card ASMR, just search sports card ASMR on YouTube and maybe I can help you relax. Joseph, where can they find you? <laughs> well, mostly uh, falling to sleep to your ASMR. There you go. Uh, when I'm awake, you can find me on social media. I'm on Blue Sky now. If you get an invite, uh, check it out. It might be a great uh, Twitter alternative. I still am on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, uh, Mastodon. My handle everywhere is at Joseph Scrimshaw, so come find me there. Uh, more news coming soon about the short films I have been working on. I'm looking forward to sharing that uh, with you all. Thank you all uh, for your support uh, emotionally, financially with the Kickstarter and the Patreon. Thanks to Ken for helping me out with the latest short film. Can't wait to share more. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Kenobi's smile, this has been Cubes.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.